Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road over in Warren County, New Jersey. And I want to thank you so much for getting together with me today in the farm shop, right? Even though I'm in New Jersey and you are all around North America and around the world as a podcast, this show is actually heard right now, I think, in 50 or 51 countries around the globe as a podcast so i want to thank all of those podcast listeners for that and as you know on sirius xm channel 147 rural radio we get together every saturday at 11 a.m eastern with an encore presentation sunday at 6 p.m and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about blueprinting your planter and many of you know that hey i'm the hot rod farmer and i'm called that because i used to build drag race engines and when you build an engine you blueprint it so that is going to be the topic of our show today not blueprinting a drag race engine but going over and checking some things on a planter that most people overlook. And, you know, a planter is, if not the most important, but the foundational part of any person that is growing crops, right? Because if you can't get the seed in the ground properly and efficiently and at the right placement and the right spacing, then the year is not starting off too well. So we need to discuss that, and hopefully uh, you enjoy these uh, blueprint tips. But first, what I want to do is I want to invite you to reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And what I would like to do is I said back in January, I want to add some new components, some new elements to the show, and I also want to bring you, my audience, more into the show. And hey, if you have machinery right? We, we all have machinery. We need a place to work in the farm shop, the machinery shop, machinery shed. Everybody seems to call it someplace else, something else. Some people call it just a garage or a shop, right? Is very, very important. So what I'm going to invite you to do is reach out to me and then I want to bring some guests on upcoming episodes. It's not going to be all time. And I want to talk about your farm shop and what you did in your farm shop how you use it what additions you made what you would have done differently if you did it again and get all of that out to the audience because there's a lot of people who are looking to update farm shops build farm shops or just get other ideas so it's going to be an exchange of hey let's look what this guy did in iowa look what this guy did in canada in his farm shop and i need you to just reach out to me we'll open up a dialogue you could send me some pictures of your farm shop obviously that's not going to go on the radio and then we could discuss bringing you on board and i really think that's going to be an important element of a transfer of knowledge into from from this show to the audience because that's what it is all about a transfer of knowledge because you could discuss your lighting maybe you updated your lighting in a farm shop your compressor or built a shop from the ground up or repurposed the building it's going to be of great value to everyone in the farm machinery digest audience and the other thing i want to invite you to is that there's a new contest because Fent is coming on, or has come on board, if you heard the episode last week about the Fent Rogator Sprayer, and we are doing a contest, and we're going to be giving, I'm going to be giving away four die-cast models of different Fent equipment. So it's going to be a Rogator Sprayer, it's going to be an Ideal Combine, a Momentum Planter, and also the, a Fent Tractor 
diecast model. And so all you have to do is go to my website and fill out that form to enter the Hot Rod Farmer License Plate Contest, because that's fired up again, no pun intended. But if you fill that form out and let me know where you listen from, I will not only announce you on the radio show and the podcast, but you will get into the drawing for one of those Fent diecast models, and they are as sweet as a real piece of Fent equipment and also a hot rod farmer license plate. So you could come away possibly winning both over the next couple of months. So please do that. And uh, I just want you, I'm going to ask you to please sit pat as we go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing how to blueprint your planter. And never remember, agriculture runs on machinery, but what? Profits on reliability. Netflix is a joke radio presents What a Joke with Popper and Fortune. It's the stop where all our comedian friends know that they can go spend some time, talk about comedy. What a Joke is the name of the show. What a Joke with Popper and Fortune. You like the name? I like the name, yeah. If you love stand-up comedy, this is the place for you, my friend. What a Joke with Popper and Fortune. How great is this show? Netflix is a joke radio, Sirius XM Channel 93. You know what? I think I'm going to listen to Or listen anytime on the SXM app. (laughs) I know, exactly. This is Capri Cafaro, host of Eat Your Heartland Out. Every week we explore the rich yet often overlooked culinary depth of the American Midwest. Together we'll learn about the foodways of our region through compelling interviews with a variety of guests, each of whom highlight a unique thread in the Midwestern culinary tapestry. Tune in for Eat Your Heartland Out, Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147. In the field, on the farm, or in the saddle, we're right there with you in your pocket, on your phone, and everywhere you go. RFD-TV Now. Current ag reports, geo-targeted weather, live streaming 24-7, and our full collection of shows you love at the tip of your finger. At less than $10 a month, it's the cheapest tool on the farm. Download the app today and start watching RFD-TV Now. 2022's champions have been crowned. 2023 begins with the Texas Tour. It all starts with the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. Starting mid-January, straight through Championship Saturday in February. The tour continues in Southern Texas at the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. Rodeo Houston picks up in March, along with Rodeo Austin. The tour comes to an end during the final nights of the San Angelo Stock Show and Rodeo in April. Only on the Cowboy Channel and the Cowboy Channel Plus app. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And just before the break, when I I'm, I'm, I like to tell you, never forget that agriculture runs on machinery and profits on reliability. And I may have said, never remember. That's not good, right? That's what you get with this guy here from Cat Swamp Road. <clears throat> Excuse me. But anyway, let's talk about blueprinting your planter. And what I want to emphasize on today's show is not the common things that people look at when they're getting their planter ready for the spring. I mean, you're going to look for wear items, you're going to look for loose joints, you're going to look for bearings and closing wheels and what have you. But there is so there are so many advancements 
that have been instituted into planters over the years. And some of them are electric, electronic. Some of them are hydraulic. All right, so the thing is that it doesn't make much of a difference what it is, but we we need to look at more on our planter than many of us have looked at in the past. So that is what I am going to emphasize today. And uh, the basics, most of you, if not all of you, have covered to do a good visual inspection, look for loose joints, make sure everything is tight, look for wear items in, in the opening discs, whatever. That's, that's old hat to you guys. All right, so I'm going to take this into a new area, a new territory. And the thing I want to establish up front is that, <clears throat> excuse me, there's so many different types of planters on the market. There's so many different theories. Yes, they all put a seed in the ground and cover the seed trench. But I'm going to speak in generic terms. But those, and then you apply those procedures or what we say in engineering, those protocols to your planter maybe they all don't apply maybe only some of them apply but uh it is important that you recognize that you have to look beyond the mechanical aspects of the planter even though some of these are mechanical so without any further ado let's get going all right so now on a vacuum planter what I suggest that you do, and if you don't already have a smoke test machine, I've discussed this many times on this show in different contexts, is that you need to invest in a smoke tester because it's going to be virtually impossible for you to tell whether you have any minute vacuum leaks in that planter. And what a smoke tester does, it uses a non-toxic and non-flammable smoke that is fed into, in this particular point, this case, the vacuum lines of the planter, and it is going to fill it up with this smoke, and it uses shop air, about two, three, four pounds of pressure from shop air, to push it in, and it is the most accurate way to be able to determine if you have any leaks, if you have leaks on a seal, you have leaks on a hose, a connection, what have you. And uh, you don't need to buy a very expensive one. You could buy one for, I think, for less than $200. Its output is going to be lower. So all that means it's going to take longer for the smoke to work through the system. So what you basically do is you take this smoke test. You'll need to buy a $2,000 one. And you could use this on your engines to look for leaks in the in- induction path, the intercooler, whatever. It's wonderful. But we're talking about planters today. And I, that's a tool that has come from the engine automotive side of the aisle. And I think that it's very important for you to bring it into the farm shop to check out a vacuum planter so what you'll do is you'll you'll open up the you'll open up a line someplace preferably at the vacuum pump because you want to start at the beginning of what they would call in plumbing the run and you would put the smoke in there you'd steal it up somehow with a duct tape electrical tape it's not rocket science and you'd let it the system start to fill up with smoke so if you buy a cheaper one for two hundred dollars all right the thing is that so maybe it takes 45 minutes or an hour to fill a whole the whole planter up with smoke makes a difference you're not going to stand there and watch it or you're going to like you're watching hamburgers on the grill you're going to let it you're going to let it fill it up with smoke and then you're going to come back and you're going to start to look where you have any leaks and 
if you have no leaks, then there'll be nothing coming out. But you'll see a little wisp of smoke, depending upon a leak, like almost smoke from a cigarette. I can't tell you how important that is, because if the planter is leaking, and usually what you'll have on a planter is a bunch of cumulative leaks. You know, this row unit's leaking a little bit. This seal is leaking a little bit. What you look at the seed meters, uh, everything that 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 is in that is exposed to vacuum trust me on this it's going to be the most worthwhile and you're going to go into the field with confidence knowing that that vacuum system has integrity to it all right the next thing that you need to do is i want you to check the output of the vacuum pump now most vacuum planters have a uh, a manometer on there that reads inches of water all right it's called a manometer some call it uh, uh magnahelic they call them makes no difference it's reading inches of water versus inches of mercury now in essence what you what you should do is check the vacuum at the end of the run you may need to make up a plumbing system uh, i mean by a plumbing system a temporary fitting with a line that's going to go at the end of the run because if you have good vac if you have no leaks and you have good vacuum at the end of the run the furthest point away from the vacuum pump then you're all good right so you know that you'll have vacuum closer because you have no leaks and you have you checked it at the end like taking a garden hose and checking if water comes out at the end so very very important because you with you have to identify usually where the gauge is located and like i said there's many different planters so where the gauge is located is usually closest to the vacuum pump and and closest to some sort of if there's a distribution manifold to go to each row unit and it's not checking it at the end so you really need to check it at the end and then once you know that the system is sound then you could then you look at that gauge that the factory put on there with confidence because you know that the system has no leaks in it and it and the pump is strong enough now you could basically have a pump that is worn and it could produce enough of a vacuum which is a which is a depression a pressure less than atmospheric is a vacuum and at the end of the run it's it's very weak so that's what you want to look at you want to make sure that that is all there and you want to write and you want to you may have to plumb in an individual manometer all right vacuum gauge uh manometer being inches of water next thing you need to identify all grounds with and their location and i would count them and you could write it down in a notebook so you have a and then give them a visual inspection that's the first thing tactile visual look at it feel it touch it but the next thing you need to do is a voltage drop test on the grounds we're adding so much electronics to these planters and electricity a lot of them have electric meters is that you need to confirm the integrity of those grounds i've said this many times on the show the more electronics you put on something the more sensitive it is going to be to a high impedance ground so looking at it it's like looking at corn riding by a cornfield at 50 miles an hour and go boy that neighbor's corn looks pretty good right well what you need to do is check this and do a voltage drop test now what a voltage drop test does 
It measures the amount of electrons, because it's a DC circuit, it wants to go back to ground, that are, that are backlogged, the traffic jam of electrons trying to go through this weak ground path. And I often say the analogy I make is that you have dairy cows in the barn, you have 100 cows, you're done milking, you let them out in the pasture, and you have a gate that could only take one cow at a time. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a traffic jam, a backlog of cows trying to get out of the barn. Well, if you had the whole side of the barn, opened up they'd all come out at one time right so what the uh, what the voltage drop test is reading the electrons that are backed up the traffic jam the cows that are trying to get out of the barn now how do you do this well what you're going to need to do is have a multimeter and it, it, usually it's a digital multimeter that's what's most common today but it doesn't have to be and you're going to have to make up some leads and how you check the ground a voltage drop test in this particular case we're talking about any ground that's on a planter that the ground even if it's going back to a tractor is you need to evoke that circuit so if it's electric seed meters you need to turn them on and then with the circuit powered up you take the positive lead of the voltmeter and go to that ground and then you take the negative lead of the voltmeter and go back to the battery on the tractor or the battery that ground that is on the plant. You say, hey, hot rod, my leads aren't that long. <clears throat> well, you're going to have to make up a set of leads or buy a set of leads to connect to your voltmeter's terminals and then get to that ground source. But most importantly, because we're looking for what value we're looking for, two-tenths of a volt or less. That's 0.2 or less, not 2.0, 0.2 or less. <clears throat> if it's more than two-tenths of a volt, <clears throat> then that is qualified as a high impedance ground. But whenever you're checking very low resistance like that in a circuit, then it is imperative that you first check the internal resistance of the voltmeter and if you're using extensions or wire extensions to get back to ground using that how do you do that to check the to check the the, the voltage drop if you put the voltmeter on the lowest setting the lowest ohm settings or if it's an auto scaling one it'll do that on on its own then before you check the planter you put the leads together so it's the leads with the extension on if you use an extension and you let the meter stabilize if it's a, if it's an auto ranging meter you let it stabilize and you take the reading so let's say arguably and that's checking the internal resistance of the meter and the resistance of the wire that you put the extension on there so let's say that you have a tenth of an ohm internal resistance on the meter that's fine. So you say I have a tenth of an ohm. Now you go and you check that ground circuit, the voltage drop test, and you see that you have a a uh, a, a reading there that is well. Um, let me back up because I'm, I'm leading you slightly astray here. The thing is that when you're checking resistance, you need to you need to go and and check the internal resistance of the meter since you're doing a voltage drop test here i got ahead of myself and looking at voltage 
then you don't need to check the internal resistance of the meter, all right? So that's only if you're looking at ohms. But we're talking about a ground voltage drop test here, so I'm, I actually led you down the wrong path. If you're checking the resistance, let's say, of a sensor, you're checking the resistance of anything else, you need to check the internal resistance of the meter, okay? So that is very, very important. And you can do that procedure also of checking any internal resistance, which when you put the two leads together, on the volt scale not the ohm scale i said you the ohm scale it's wrong the volt scale is that you need to see what the meter reads it should be reading zero if it's not reading zero you need to subtract that from your reading now the next thing is that i want to make clear to you is that if you have electric meters you need to check the current draw on each meter you will need a clamp on amp meter digital multimeter and it has an inductive clamp and you need to check the amperage drawer on each meter and it's going to be very important for you to know well it's probably going to be hard for you to get the spec on that but what you're looking for is uniformity on each meter you're looking for each meter to draw the same amount of current because if the meter is binding has an internal problem what have you the current drawer is going to be higher and it's very important that that meter is responding and rotating and at the right speed for you to get the right placement of seed in the field so that is so it if you don't have an inductive clamp for your for your amp meter then just buy one they're not that expensive if you have a better amp meter like a, a multimeter like a fluke or something then you can go and get that very very easily but it's something that's very very important because the current draw of the meter is going to be in, in an indicator of its internal friction and we need to have those meters all running at the same speed and drawing the same current now if you have a finger meter no electronics then it's going to be obvious that you're going to take it apart and do a visual inspection but what you're going to do is that you're going to use an inch pounds torque wrench and you're going to have to check the rotational torque of that meter now you could talk to your supplier whoever made the finger meters and ask them what the rotational torque is supposed to be it's going to be very simple and what their specification is and what their amount of tolerance so if you put a inch pound torque torque wrench on it you're going to turn and you want one with a dial you don't want to click one to do that you want one with a dial because you want to read how many inch pounds of rotational force it is taking to turn that meter and then again that's going to be akin to the current draw on a mechanical on an electrical meter so the inch pounds rotation is very 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 important so listen we're not going to have a in the farm shop segment but what we're going to do is we're going to continue this on after the short break This Urban Ag Report is brought to you by FMOWheels.com, the digital CSA for urban communities supporting urban farmers everywhere. Urban farming has grown in popularity over the last 10 to 15 years. The urban population across the developing world has grown by 500 million in the last decade, and it is predicted that by 2025, more than half of the developing world will live in urban areas. Urban farms are sprouting up all over the world. They're working to increase food security by growing food locally. 
They give underserved urban neighborhoods access to fresh foods. They strengthen local economies by keeping dollars circulated within the community. Urban farms localize food production through a distribution ecosystem, providing health, environmental, economic, and aesthetic benefits to urban communities across the globe. This has been the Urban Ag Report on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147. Follow us at urbanagreport.com. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Kenyon from the Cowboy Channel and Rural Radio and Western Sports Roundup. Well, it's a big world of Western sports out there. We try to make it a little smaller for you every weekday afternoon on the Cowboy Channel and on Rural Radio. Please join our entire team. Jeff Metters, Justin McKee, Amy Wilson, Janie Johnson, Katie Lucas, Ty McClary, and me. We'll tell you all about Western sports on Western Sports Roundup. Three in the West, six in the East on the Cowboy Channel, on Rural Radio, and on the Sirius XML. Hey, folks, join us for the Better Horses Radio Show on Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 with hosts Don Dawson, Ernie Rodina, and me, Ron McDaniel, along with our KSU vet tip. We'll visit with Jennifer Gatrell from Pegasus Riders, followed by cowboy and clinician Buster McClary, and we'll wrap up with our friend Josh Rushing. So tune in to the Better Horses Radio Show on Wednesday or Thursday evenings right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. This show goes so fast. All right, we got a couple of things you want to discuss. Now, most planters are full of different sensors today. It is imperative that you get together with the manufacturer of your system, those sensors, and you identify from them how you go and confirm their output. You may need an oscilloscope for them. You may need a voltmeter for them. But you can't, you can't just assume because you're riding in a cab with a tractor and, this, and the, the monitor is telling you this for downforce, for seed placement, for, for population rate, that it is accurate. You have to go confirm those, and you also have to do a good visual inspection on those sensors. They're, they're mooring. Are they tight? Are they clean? You have to become familiar with how they work and how to confirm and check them. And the manufacturer will tell you that if you ask them. Otherwise, they're not going to tell you. I would not go in the field with a very complicated multi-row, obviously, 10-row, 15-row, 20-row planter and not confirm that those sensors and know how to check them. All right. The next thing is that you need if the planter has an alternator on it it's going to be imperative that you check the alternator output if it has an alternator and most of the time it has a battery that you load test that battery that is going to be the voltage source in many instances for a lot of the electronics if not all the electronics on the planter it's not coming from the tractor so you need to put a load tester on there you need to have an oscilloscope i said this many many times you could buy an inexpensive one and you want to look for a nice ac side i mean an ac signal it's not going to be a side wave it's going to be an ac ripple you need to confirm the cleanliness and the integrity of that alternator output because that's what's feeding everything the next thing what i what you need to do is check the hydraulic pressure and flow from the tractor and i've spoken about this if you have you need to have a meter that reads hydraulic flow pressure 
flow in gallons or liters and then the temperature of the fluid without that you're you're barking up the barking up a tree and wasting your time all right so you need to do that and check that coming from the tractor so the hydraulic flow then performance is correct going to the planter the other thing that you need to do is if you have some sort of downforce adjustment or a system that is a PID loop proportional integral derivative so it's monitoring the downforce and adjusting the downforce as you go across the field you need to get with that company and made it and ask them how to confirm and check the downforce usually you could put like a scale set underneath there that that you would weigh a tractor or a race car or something with but talk to them and confirm that because if you're setting it between 120 and 170 100 and it's wrong it's wrong so remember that a broken clock only tells the right time twice a day so you need to be able to confirm all of that it's imperative if you cannot assume because you're reading something on a digital display that it is accurate so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and please if you have any questions on this just get back to me and i'll catch you next week bye bye RFD TV is the number one source for market and commodity information as it happens. We focus on the stories that are important to farmers and ranchers across the country. Weekdays on Market Day Report, our team covers policy changes on the federal and state level. U.S. producers trust RFD TV more than any other news source. So join us for Market Day Report on the TV, the app, and even Rural Radio 147 weekdays starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 Central on RFD TV wildlife know-how, and more. I'm Scott Linden, out and about, with some factoids for that next party, brought to you by Happy Jack Dog Care. A young pigeon is called a squeaker. A group of rhinoceros, a crash. I wonder why. A chickadee's heart beats a thousand times a minute. And Henry David Thoreau endorsed hunting in his classic book, Walden Pond. A newborn black bear weighs under six ounces. And did you know you can keep ants off your tables and chairs by wrapping their legs with kerosene-soaked string? The furnitures, not the ants. An onrush of odors from swamps and woods and dead and decaying branches falling from trees all indicate a falling barometer. We're brought to you by HappyJackInc.com. Trusted by experienced breeders for 77 years. Wild fish and game on the table is easier than you might think. Hey, it's Billy Kinder, host of Kinder Outdoors, weekend mornings at 9 Eastern right here on Channel 147. Since COVID and those grocery shortages, a lot of people have been searching for ways to put healthy and tasty wild game on the family dinner table. We can help with that. This weekend at 9 a.m. Eastern or anytime at KinderOutdoors.com. This is Ann Tarter from Tarter Farm and Ranch Equipment, and I listen to Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM.